This morning, we are going to pick up from where we left off a couple of weeks ago in a sermon series that we've been calling Knowing God. Knowing God through his names, titles, metaphors, and attributes. Last time we talked about a message called Yahweh, God's real or proper name, meaning that God is the I am who I am, the self-existent, self-sufficient, unchanging, and eternal God. But today we'll explore one of Yahweh's attributes from Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 to 7. Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 to 7. If you find it, please rise to your feet in honor of the reading of God's word. The Bible says, beginning to read at verse number 5, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. May the Lord add a blessing to the public reading of his word this morning, and may he drive it to our hearts for our illumination and spiritual transformation. And somebody said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I don't know about you, but two of my biggest pet peeves are poor customer service and when people answer a question with a question instead of just giving a straight answer. This morning, I will ignore the first one and uh, focus on the latter. Simply ask, why do people answer a question with a question? There are a few reasons why people may do that. One, to steer the conversation in circles. Two, to stimulate your thinking just in case you're having a brain freeze. Three, to make you examine the premise of your question. And four, sometimes people do it to avoid answering a tricky question or to shift the conversation away from those tough questions. Whether you are attempting to get out of a conversation that you don't like 
or are evading a question that you don't want to answer for whatever reason. Answering questions with questions is an easy way to frustrate or to tick someone like me off really fast. When you read through the Gospels, you will find that Jesus mastered this technique of answering questions with a question. So, like Jesus, this morning I am going to begin our study by asking a question and then answering that question with a question. Are you ready? Here it comes. What are some of the attributes that describe the name of Yahweh? And here comes the answer. What is better than listening to God talk about his attributes? So let's listen to how God describes himself. God said, I am Yahweh. And then he spills out his attributes. A God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. In the next few weeks, we will be unpacking these attributes that God mentions here in their context. One, by one. But today we will explore the attribute of mercy in a message entitled Yahweh is merciful. Yahweh is merciful. If you notice, God uses the adjective merciful, which comes from the word mercy to describe his attributes or characteristics of his name. The Bible uses several words for mercy. The one used in our text is transliterated, hesed, meaning loving kindness, mercy, Love, loyalty, or faithfulness. This word hesed also describes the one who shows compassion, loving kindness, empathy, and sympathy. Mercy is defined as compassionate love towards the weak, the poor in spirits, the broken, and the needy. It withholds judgment, punishment, or condemnation 
even when justice demands it. Instead of justly condemning us, God shows us mercy in that he withholds the punishment we deserve and shows us compassion. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we deserved it, not because we did something special to make Jesus die for us, but because of the mercy of God. So in Christ, God lavishes, shows us mercy by his own accord. Because God is love. God is merciful. And he is gracious to us. God said in Exodus chapter 33 verse 19. That he is free to show mercy to whomever he will show mercy. He is not obligated to show mercy to us because we are not entitled to his mercy. But the good news is that we can ask for God's mercy. We can call upon the mercies of the Lord. Just like in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18, which reads, to some who were confident of their righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. A Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then verse 14 says, I tell you, and this is Jesus now talking. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, since the Pharisee did not go to the temple to pray to God, but to brag about his good deeds and how good he was. 
But the tax collector recognized the sin and begged for mercy. Self-righteousness sense is dangerous. It leads to pride, causes people to despise and look down on others, especially the weak among us, and prevents them from receiving anything from God. The tax collector's prayer should be our model prayer because we all need God's mercy. Don't we? Don't let pride in your accolades or your achievements cut you from God. Humble yourself in the sight of God and God will lift you up. Don't think you're all that in a bag of chips. Humble yourself before God, and he will lift you up. And that means if you lift yourself up, God will humble you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 in the ESV, encourages us to draw near to the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, the fact that Exodus 34 exists is proof that Yahweh is a God of mercy. To just give you a little bit of context there. This is the second time God has met Moses on the mountain to make a covenant with the people of Israel. When Moses came down from the mountain the first time, the people had fallen in love with the works of their own hands. They were worshiping a golden calf. The covenant that God made with the people on the mountain the first time is found in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 to 6, and it reads, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But instead of trusting God, Israel broke the covenant even before Moses descended from the mountain with the Ten Commandments in his hands. The people had forsaken Yahweh and were worshipping an image of a golden calf. Moses was mad. Threw the Ten Commandments tablets on the ground. God was not happy with that, but that's what you do when you let anger 
take all over you. You do things that you are going to regret. That you don't mean to do. That's what Moses did. Anyway, they had already broken one of the Ten Commandments. So Moses just threw it on the ground and shattered it into pieces. Now, one would think this rebellion with the golden calf should have ended God's patience with these stiff-necked people. They had been unbelieving at the Red Sea. They had grumbled against God in the wilderness. But yet, Moses is on the mountain again awaiting the covenant of God for the second time. That means God spared Israel and was willing to cut another covenant with his people. So why didn't God destroy the children of Israel? <laughs> he was mad and was about to do it until Moses stood in the gap. And then God showed mercy to Israel. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5 says, and I read, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by Grace, you have been saved. God is full of mercy. And because of his mercy, we are saved by his grace. He did not give up on us when we were stubborn in our own sin. But because of his love, he reached out to us. And lifted us out of sin. So much that through Christ we may have life and have it in abundance. The mercies of the Lord, Lamentations chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. You can never exhaust the mercies of the Lord. Because God's mercy toward us, sinners, is rooted in his love. And as I said, God is love. So the mercies of the Lord are rooted in God's character, his being. And he cannot deny himself. He sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin. This sinless incarnate Christ died the sinner's death so that the sinners could live free from God's judgment and condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. 
In the New Testament, God's mercy is illustrated in a parable of the rich ruler who was owed a great deal of money by his servant. You find that in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 27. The ruler ordered that money be collected, but when the debtor came and begged for mercy, the ruler mercifully forgave the debtor. The parable illustrates the date of sin we owe to God. So outstanding a date that we could never repay it. But because God is merciful, he freely forgives us that debt in Christ Jesus, our Lord. After being forgiven the debt, the person who owed the money refuses to forgive his fellow servants who owed him some money, not compared to what he owed his master. The ruler then judged the ungrateful evil servant for his lack of mercy. Since God requires us to be merciful, God requires us to show compassion and kindness and to be forgiving to others because he was merciful to us we ought to be merciful to others Luke chapter 6 verse 36 in the ESV says be merciful even as your father is merciful. Now that's a command there. And Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. God sends desires that we show mercy to others. Not sacrificing our worship to God. While the two are important, but God first desires that we show mercy before we adore him. Find that in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, or Matthew chapter 12, verse 7. Now, the question is, who can you show mercy today? Who can you show mercy today? Is it your co-worker? Your spouse? A family member? That annoying uncle? A brother or sister in the Lord? Or is it yourself? Beloved, we can be compassionate, respectful, forgiving, gentle, and patient with people even when we know that their failures and shortcomings drive us crazy. 
Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, has this to say. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor, and I would add the vulnerable, the weak, the despised, and the voiceless in society. And do not plan or plot evil in your hearts against one another. Do not plot, do not plan, devise evil against one another. One author laments the lack of empathy and compassion in society today. It seems to me that we are in the midst of a crisis of empathy, he cries. We lack empathy for other species, other cultures, and other people. This isn't very grown up of us. I agree with this author. After all, we need to show compassion to others because we have received mercy from God freely and we should freely give without malice. Why and how can the God of justice show mercy? How can a just God be merciful at the same time? Because you can have just justice and mercy in the same sentence. But I will close with this illustration. A story is told of two people who went through school and university together and developed a close friendship. Life went on and they went their separate ways and lost contact. One became a judge while the other's life spiraled downwards and he ended up as a criminal. One day the criminal appeared before the judge. He had committed a crime to which he pleaded guilty. The judge recognized his old friend and faced the dilemma. As a just judge, he couldn't simply let the man off, but he wanted to be merciful since he loved his friend. So he find him the correct penalty for the offense. That sense was justice. Then he came down from his position as judge and wrote a check for the acceptable amount. He gave it to his friend saying that he would pay the penalty for him. That was an act of mercy, love, and sacrifice. The illustration is not an exact one. Our plight is worse 
The penalty we face is death. The relationship is closer. Your Father in heaven loves you more than any earthly parent loves their child. And the cost is higher. It costs God far more than money. He came himself in the person of Jesus Christ and paid the penalty of our sin, just like that judge did for his friend. In his justice, God judges us because we are guilty. Then in his mercy and love, he comes down in the person of his son and pays the penalty for our sin. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, God is both just and merciful. Let's pray. God, our eternal Father, we thank you that even though you are a just God, you are also a merciful God. You loved us even when we were still sinners. You sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. He became sin. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. We are thankful for this love, for your grace, for your mercy, that you continue to show us even today. May you continue to help us to show mercy and compassion to others just as we have received. Help us to freely give to those who need mercy. Help us, Lord, to live this out and not to be hearers only or listeners, but to be doers of your word. As we prepare to transition into communion, I just pray that Holy Spirit, you will minister to our hearts today. You will look into our hearts and if we regard any iniquity that you may forgive us and wash us in the blood of Jesus. And deliver us from all manner of unrighteousness. In the mighty name of Jesus, the Son of God, we are prayed. And somebody in the house said amen.